Hi, everyone. This is Val with some pre-notes to this episode. So quickly, number one, there are spoilers from the world of all souls in this episode. We're warning you early just in case you opt to skip it and give yourself time or more time to review the book on your own time. And number two, from now on in our future episodes, we will freely talk about what is contained in the world of all souls. So this is just a heads up warning. No big deal. But we're just letting you know, just to be fair. Number three, this is a bonus episode. We do not relay news or anything that other episodes will build on. This is kind of a standalone. And you'll notice it, the tone is a little bit different in this episode, too. Uh, it's less produced. It's more just a conversation. Lastly, number four, thank you to our listeners, discussers, patrons, or any combination of those things. You guys keep us going. On with the show. Demons Discuss. Bonus edition, Exploring the World of All Souls. Welcome to Demons Discuss, the unofficial podcast about the All Souls universe and the topics that orbit it. We are your hosts, Angela, Jean, and Valerie. I'm Valerie, and with me is Angela and Jean. Hello. Hey, everyone. Hello. What are we talking about today, Jean? <gasps> oh, it's an extra special episode. We are going to explore the world of All Souls, specifically the brand new complete guide to our world. I love Yay! it. I am so excited to talk about this. Can we start at the beginning, though? Because we three demons put together guides for people wanting to dip their toes in this world or already have or just needed a refresher. And I feel like our collective wishes, hopes, dreams for something bigger than even that yes. to come to fruition has. And that's what the world of all souls is. Yeah, it feels like we put a wish out into the universe and it was granted. Yes. Yay, us. And thank you, goddess. Seriously. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Thank you, goddess. Thank you. Thank you, demon godmother. Thank you. First off, you young ones, uh, not in age, not young in age, young to the series, new to the series, you don't know how lucky you have it. These are notes you don't have to take. These are notebooks you don't have to fill. These are sticky notes you don't have to make. These, this is stuff you don't have to Google. Yeah. These are rabbit holes you don't have to get lost in. Yeah. Yeah. These are... These are not theories that you don't have to cross off your list. Yes. <laughs> An Excel spreadsheet. You don't have to delete rows and insert columns. Oh, my God. You did that spreadsheet, the timeline spreadsheet, didn't you? I yeah. did do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we still have that. Yes. And it's still It's still not complete. There's no. still huge gaps. Yeah. Yeah. Even with this book coming out. And I'll be honest with you. I was kind of flipping through, hoping that we'd find some confirmation on a couple of things. And damn, we didn't. Right. No. I think that we just have to wait for other books to come out on Matthew to get confirmation. I think yeah, it's definitely, I, yeah, I get the definitely feeling, there. But Well, I, I think I saw Deb say something the other day about, well, this is just all encyclopedias are just based on information known at the time because people were getting upset about, well, why wasn't this in here and why wasn't that in there and da-da-da-da-da. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, you know, like Godfrey's biography is really short, woefully short, but <laughs> we really don't know anything about him. It is yeah. slight. You know, his his story, it's information not available yet because he hasn't told us the story. So, yes, I'm very interested in him. Extremely. I'm very interested in how he came to be Hancock's father, to be quite honest. Was that a mistake, guys? I something screwed up about that. Because wouldn't they just cousins? That would be Galbus and Hancock as as cousins. So why is Davy always calling himself a de Claremont servant? That doesn't make sense. Because if he was brought into service, wouldn't somebody like Elaine have been his maker? Alon? Alon, Elaine, whatever. (laughs) Mm. Bygones! I I speak Jean. I know what she meant. Elaine. (laughs) I blame the stupid British announcers on Formula One. They keep calling him Elaine Prost. (laughs) That's where I picked up that bad habit. I wanted to ask you guys this. Um, uh-huh. In the introduction where they interview Deb, I mentioned this previously on our recording previously, but I wanted to ask you guys. The question was asked, why did you choose a story about a reluctant witch? And Deb said, Diana being afraid of her power and how it correlates us to being scared of our individual powers. What examples would you give of yourself? What powers do you feel like you've been repressing? Some deep, dark stuff to start off with. I know. Hmm. (laughs) 
Dig deep, demons. Dig deep. I don't, you know what? And this is kind of corny, but I don't know. I'm, I like the age I'm at and I feel like I, it's, I'm a work in progress and I've learned not to, I've learned to be myself. And that's exactly what happens to Diana. But so I don't, I can't say that there are powers that I'm suppressing, but they just become more, I don't know, strong and I'm more self-aware with each passing day and I'm not afraid. In fact, I don't think I'm afraid of a lot of things. I don't think I'm afraid of anything, quite honestly. Yeah. Um, I've noticed that as I'm getting older too. Uh, it's just like, well. <laughs> yeah. So I can't say, I mean, maybe it's the other way that I'm that I should be suppressing some things and I don't anymore, which is maybe... Yeah, there's a lack of filter. That isn't reluctance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not related to reluctance. Maybe a younger you. Let's go back to Angela and Jean, maybe at 25 and 30 versus now. Oh, definitely. Versus now, the young 31 oh, definitely. that we are. Yeah. <laughs> I think at 25 and 30, there was, there's a reluctance to do things that people wouldn't expect of you or yeah. I, at 25 and 30, I think you're, you're trying to craft the person that the world sees yes. or the person you think you need to be to, to fit into the world. I would agree. And now I can tell you at 53, answering your first question, having gone through the process, I mean, I know there is a reluctance to try new things and do different things. It's like, well, my tool to start being this or doing that. And since we've started on this journey with the blog and the podcast, I mean, hell, Mm -hmm. I was reluctant to get on Twitter. Oh, you run that thing, girl. (laughs) Yeah, I I think I've shed the reluctance in that. Well, wait a minute. I can be outside my box and try and do whatever I want. Some of it may not be so great. Hello, graphics. But other things I don't do too badly at. Yeah. But I'm not afraid to just try it and say, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's a function of age or coming into my own, you know, does it being afraid of a power? I don't know. But Embracing your own power. Yeah. 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 Same for me. I was 32 when I started doing graphics. Mm-hmm. And I was, then I was like, well, I have all these graphics. I need to put them on a website. I don't know how to do that. Will anybody visit my website? Turns out, yes, they did. Yes. <laughs> they did. <laughs> yes. So it's made me less scared to do things like doing Armitage for Claremont or doing Demon's Domain. It, it felt like, eh, I've done this before. Let's do it again. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, I think because I, I would say at 25 as a young mother, I was somebody who was trying to be a mom, mm-hmm. trying to shuffle my kids in the back seat of this horrendous vehicle that my husband thought was would be great because I'm a mom. Ooh. And then, yeah, yeah. Society, and, that, trying to fit in that box you think you need to fit in. Yes. yes. Reluctance, to, reluctance to do things out. I'm yeah. not stuck in that box right now, but let me just back up. When I, 2530, I probably lacked assertiveness. I wasn't, I didn't assert. So learning to do that, I mean... No one takes care of you like yourself. So if you don't ask for the things that you want, if you don't do the things that you want, no one does it for you. No one hands you things. So now I'm to that realization and I'm totally fine with assertion, but I am in the mom raising, the kid raising stage. So I I feel like I'm on pause and I keep, I have to remember to do things for myself. And also I keep saying, well, when the kids are grown, then I'll do this when I should just do it now. Uh Yeah. Yeah. You raise better kids that way. Actually, you do because your kids want to see you do things. Right. And the kids need to see you do things. So later on, when they're raising their own family, they don't stunt their own lives. Yeah. Wow, hey, this just got a, deep. Sorry. Well, here, here's a follow up. Here's a follow up. Okay. Um, okay. Since Deb posed the, the post, our question was posed to Deb and, and her interview. Was there anything about that series for you guys that made you shed some of your reluctance to do things or? You know, did, did Diana, did Diana have the effect that Deb was striving for, for you? Um, yes. In a weird way, because you guys, you guys have known I have been a Wiccan for over Mm -hmm. 30 years now, right? Right. My mom didn't know that. It wasn't until a series until I told her. Wow. Because, wow. You came out. I came out to her. My dad knew. My dad, only because of his mother, you know, Mm -hmm. and I told him that I had changed my registration with the military that um, I am no, because you have to do your will and you have to have your dog Uh pads printed out. And yeah, yeah. 
there's a whole gruesome story with the dog tags, but we won't go into it. Um, you have to declare your religion. So when they put your body to rest, they know what they service the right to, they, mm-hmm. they know what yeah. service to render. So I told my dad that my dad's like, um, cause my mom was the one who put me through first communion and I wasn't interested. Yeah. I wasn't interested in any of that. So he didn't tell her. So I told her and she was like, I kind of knew. Talk about anticlimactic. I did. I, I played the role of your mother in a similar situation when my best friend came out of the closet and told me he was gay. And I was like, yeah, I kind of knew. He's like, damn, <laughs> damn, I was supposed to shock you. He was, all work, he was all worked up about telling me and tied himself in knots and didn't, you know, was worried about it. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Are we going out? Yeah. Take take me where you guys go. I'm curious. I yeah. heard the coolest thing lately, and it is about, about someone coming out, and it can be whatever sexuality or a secret yeah. or whatever. But she, so they said, "Well, you just came out to us. That's wonderful." And he goes, "I didn't come out. You came into my world." I'm like, "I love that. That yeah. is, I like that. That's too. great. You came in. I invited you in. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. I would say though, for me, uh, not I didn't." Learned so much from Diana the way that Deb wanted to. I learned from Sarah and Rebecca. Hmm. And maybe because it's the time of the life that I'm in, you know, the, the time that I'm in, but yeah. um, it's changed too. I mean, it's changed from when I first read the books to rereading them again recently. So your attitude with Sarah for me was as shocking yeah. <laughs> for me as well. <laughs> I was like, I don't even know why they don't like Sarah. Sarah is awesome. But when I first read the book, I was at the stage of life where I was hustling Devin onto yeah. the, onto the bus yeah. and yelling at her for not calling me. And <laughs> you, know? you got yes. it. Yeah. I, I was that woman. And I was like, I feel you, Sarah. I mean, uh, I couldn't imagine. Imagine if Devin still behaved that way at 30. It's like, come on, call your mother. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) I don't have that problem. (laughs) And oddly, Diana was not the one for me either. I think it was more Matthew. Yeah. Yeah. Stop beating, you know, you got to stop beating yourself up. Yeah. So, yeah, she kind of had a weird, her her plan executed in an odd way for me. Let's just put it that way. And her plan for, uh, being more accepting of weird, odd personalities and mm-hmm. kind of looking beyond what the person presents or what somebody presents of another person. Yes. Like we witness with Matthew, how he presents mm-hmm. people and Diana is inclined to believe him. But when you observe the person and see how they're actually acting, they're like, wait a minute, something's screwy here. Am I being biased based on what somebody else told me? Right. Or am I actually seeing their actions? So that was a big thing for me to see. Yeah. No, I think even from a literary standpoint, I mean, I've never been involved in a series where the author, you know, is involved too on social media. And I remember we'd ask things in the group, um, you know, well, Matthew said this and she would say, well, who said he's right? And I've, it never occurred to me like you could be an unreliable narrator, character, viewpoint, etc. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's why Hamish's chapter, which besides the one where Matthew snuck into the rooms, Hamish's chapter where we're getting an omniscient point of view and we're getting the true facts as they happen versus through someone else's viewpoint. Yeah. Then you can have more of an objective opinion on how people act because I wasn't down with Matthew or Diana until that point. I'm like, I'm about to close this book and it's just going to get donated or something. (laughs) (laughs) I'm done. I'm done here. Do you know what to me about that whole thing, the whole thing that's such a true testament is that you've got a series that's primarily told through Diana's point of view. And so many people have less than are less than 100% invested in her as a character. People have really conflicting feelings about her, but they're all invested in the story. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's it's the, it's the secondary gift. characters that really, yeah. really do it. I mean, and to write a book like that is just just says so much about Deb's ability as a storyteller. I mean, that's oh, yeah. just phenomenal. And that's another thing that's mentioned in this interview is characters like Matthew and Diana. They're not perfect. <laughs> These two are not perfect. And it's very evident. It's like we want to think of Diana as a superhuman, but she is not there yet. No. And we're kind of saying, Diana, really? You know, <laughs> we question everything she does because 
everything she does doesn't make sense to us. It's like we're realizing she has all this power, yet she's reluctant. She doesn't want to use any of that. So that's I probably why I was on board with Sarah. It's like you have all this power, but you're not using it. But yeah. they weren't communicating. There was a whole bunch of things in there that I, I found fascinating later on looking back, like hindsight's twenty twenty. looking back at the whole series. Mm-hmm. And I found it fascinating that when I started this book and where I ended the book were two different places and my attitudes against all I, I would say all of the characters are totally different. Right. That's my takeaway. How about you? For a takeaway? I, I, I just, the, the series is just realistic. I mean, you know, I was gaga over Matthew through Discovery of Witches and I didn't notice until we did our panel for the first All Souls Con, you know, um, dream date or hot mess. I didn't really even realize he was a hot mess because it was just the transition was so subtle that the balance of power was shifting uh-huh. and it was natural. And it was just something that I, it wasn't like, okay, he's perfect and now he's not. It's just, the revelation, peeling off the layers of Matthew that you'd realize, geez, he, this guy is a hot mess. Um, but it's realistic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if a discovery of witches is a honeymoon phase and then it becomes more real as the series arcs, it was just beautifully and well done that it was subtle and just a natural progression. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. On the way that relationship was built it, and it was so true to life. It's like, okay, you're in this little honeymoon phase where it's like, it's just the two of you and everything's perfect. And then you've got some friends going around and going, yeah, but are you seeing this part? You know, right. Are you sure? What's so funny is when he was presented as perfect, he had all the degrees. He's rich. He's oh, this. I hated him. But as he got, <laughs> you did. <laughs> as, oh my God. He, as he got more flawed and Oh my God, you're so dumb, Matthew. What the hell are you thinking? I oh love him See, so, I, I much. so much. So much. It's like, <laughs> you're a train wreck. I love train wrecks. I oh, love you. All you needed to be is a brute. But the only thing I'm, he was way broody, but he could have even been not a bigger asshole. Yeah. I love the alpha holes. I can't help it. I just picture you going, you're so dumb, Matthew. And he just stands there blinking, blink, blink. (laughs) (laughs) What did I I do? (laughs) (laughs) You're right. (laughs) As I always say, don't hate me. I'm just written that way. (laughs) Oh, wow. So do we want to go into the creature descriptions and how they're described? Is there anything that stuck out to you as far as? The biggest thing that stuck out to me is that the the steam description was heavy on the adult that being <laughs> short wired heavy on the yeah. adult and heavy heavy on the not outline heavy on the heavy on the outlying behavior and kind of ignore ignored the hamishes and the thomas harriets of the world the the, right. fun, the very high very functional you wouldn't guess they're a demon kind of demons yeah and the the descriptions all seem to want to focus on the rock star serial killers and not the the mundane everyday demons who walk among us who do as well who are probably very gifted but low key right yeah they fell upon it was heavy on Sarah's when she was yeah you know, it, it yes. was like Sarah's stereotype yeah Thank you. it read yeah it was heavy on Sarah's description and less on the nuanced description I I like to think of it as very nuanced like uh the last time we recorded we talked about Agatha and Agatha is kind of breezy kind of mm-hmm. but dreamy the, the way I saw it it was she's on a whole different level than everybody else. She's seeing things that nobody else is seeing. And I'm sure right. looking at her as a layman, you're like, what is going on with this chick? It's like, oh, this chick is seeing your life, dude. <laughs> you <Yeah. know? laughs> She's more put together than you think. You know? Right. Yeah. And can make awesome clothes. There you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on top yeah. of it. Was, it. Yeah, it was a little bit of a downer because, yeah, demons are misunderstood, but this section didn't really cl- clear, clear up the misunderstanding. No. It yeah. just kind of perpetuated it. Yeah. yeah. Not that we're a biased audience. I was just going to say, not how did the, the, the witch such section read to you guys? Um, it read like uh, there's normal witch's lore. I, I feel I have a problem with the way witches are described in the series, period, because it does separate the two kinds of witches. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the same. And the only thing I can relate it to is uh, historically black colleges, their sororities and fraternities, like all the light skinned people tend to join this sorority. And it's like we're separating a minority 
<laughs> in a way it's like ah, in a superficial way in a superficial way and it's like well some people do spells and some people right do elemental magic and somehow that has separated the two when i'm sure there are normal witches that are not weavers that kind of dabble in both Right. And I just got it. Now that you say that, I didn't have that. I didn't have that perception that it was separated until I read this section. Well, here's my question, too. I mean, I don't I realize this probably since this is this guide is supposed to be about Dub's world. But I was kind of disturbed by the the exclusion of solitary witches, because from knowing you and knowing a lot of people in the fandom fandom who Mm -hmm. are practitioners, they are. It seems like. By and large, most folks who practice are solitary practitioners. That the coven is the exception and not the rule in a lot of ways, and for a lot of people. And I was just kind of curious myself why you know Deb's been so inclusive and so conscious about how she crafted her world. Mm-hmm. Why that just seems like a really glaring exclusion to me. I honestly think those who choose to practice solitary are, they tend to be introverted like me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I do know a lot of people that like to get together in a coven like settings. They don't call it covens, but that's what they do. They they get together and they can pool their energy. But a lot of people, I like introverts tend to regroup and recharge when they're by themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's when you're most focused and extroverts would be more powerful, I would think, in a group. I just think it's and when you deal with a lot of people online, you're dealing with a lot of introverts. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, but my, my point oh, being yeah. is, is it's, it's just curious to me how that that faction was excluded from this world. Yeah, I guess. Well, I don't know. I, I That's a question for Deb. Maybe we ask her at the con. Maybe we will. Maybe we will. I, I think um, by common lore, yes, um, Wiccans or witches or any neo-pagan, what's considered a witch, what's known is the ceremonies they have and uh-huh. they celebrate Samhain and Beltane and eh, okay, I get it. <laughs> I get it. So... If you look online, if you research, if you, those are the things you're going to come across, I would think, as a witch, when you're looking up witches, modern day witches. So maybe that's where that is. Maybe she doesn't know a lot of solitary witches and you draw from experience, I would think, Mm -hmm. when you write. True. I don't know. That's just my take. I could be totally wrong. It's happened. (laughs) God, it's happened for me way, way, way much. How about vampires? I mean, I didn't see any diversions there. No, I didn't. No, no. In fact, I, it was there was some pretty interesting information in there about the different vampire families and about Miriam. <laughs> she is a clan head. Although Deb kind of spilled the beans on that ahead of time, which makes yeah makes me happy. I, I really wish they would have gone into that a little more. Uh, I really want to know who makes up clan a clan. Head. Yeah, I mean Deb. That just opened up a whole new rabbit hole. It's like, you can't just drop that hint and walk out, <laughs> Deb. Really? Well, here's here's my question, okay? She's a clan head. Is she a clan head because Bertrand is gone? or is, And she succeeded him? Or is she is she like a clan head of a very very ancient clan? And right. Who, and who is left from that clan? I mean, is she a, is she a clan head without a clan of her own? I mean, because it seems like she's spending all of her time with the Declaremonts. Right. It's like is yeah. she the last surviving member of a clan? Yeah. I mean, she's a conundrum. Yeah. And we don't know how old Bertrand was, right? We don't know how old he was, but we only know that. I mean, another hint that got or bomb that got dropped was that they met in Jerusalem during the First Crusade, and they right. only had about a hundred years together. Yeah. It's like, what the hell? That sucks. That just sucks. Yeah, that's so sad. That is so sad. Uh huh. Yeah, and so I think somebody either in our our group or in the big group said, "Well, you know, sometimes it can mate again." It's like, well, that's not the point. She found her mate and got to spend no time with him at all. <laughs> and it's fiction. She could have wrote another couple centuries in. <laughs> yeah, well, but, but I mean, you know, the, the, the fact of the matter—it was just a bigger fact of the matter—is it's like, well, you know, there's always there's always another chance. It's like, no, yeah, there's another chance at a new love. There's not any chance to explore the love you just found. That's where I really got a, yeah. a little bit upset by that whole. It's it's like it's bad enough. You look at Fernando and Hugh, and Hugh is just like still this open gaping wound and he got to spend 600 years and then you think about all the rage and sadness that miriam like totally masks with that smart ass facade oh yeah yeah i think it's just yeah. a matter it's just a matter of like 
look at how fucking strong women are. I think that's going to be the story at the end of the day with Miriam. So she's fiercely loyal to the Declaremonts. Is it ever fully explained, like, the reason? I I mean, you know, I've always speculated it's because Bertrand's loyalty to Matthew. But Yeah, he did make know, her promise. But still, that's, that's speculating. She, she goes above and beyond for, yeah. uh, I suppose, it's a mate's promise. So she's really... <laughs> well, yeah. And the other question becomes is, like, got, does, did, did her loyalty run to Hugh? Did her loyalty run to Philippe? It's like... Right. She's kind of in this little... She's like the biggest mystery sitting in plain sight, even bigger mm-hmm. than Diana was. Another thing about her, too, uh, in Book of Life, it was mentioned she was put in charge of looking over Matthew. Yeah. Who put her in charge? Philippe. Yeah. Had to have been. Yeah. Um, I, I think this is when um, Diana was getting ready to take off on a plane and leave. Yeah. And uh, Miriam was kind of warning Gal Glass, don't you dare, don't you. Oh, you know, yeah, that part. Don't, don't, yeah. And it was mentioned that Miriam was charged with yes, looking yes, over yes. Matthew, yeah. just as Gal Glass was charged to look over Diana. So, yeah, that was, a, that's definitely fully panning out tasks. And so she's a clan head, but I guess Philippe's clan, and it was mentioned in the world of all souls that he is part of a, he is the head of a, he was the head of a, powerful clan and there is hierarchy among clans oh yeah so i don't know that there's a whole dynamic there that i guess we can get into and i hope they talk about it more in marcus's book and i think they'd be more inclined to because phoebe's about to become a vampire well, and yeah, learn. i mean that ties into the whole whole over overarching theme of marcus's book about how vampires build families and making baby vampires and all that you know what uh character kind of shocked me and it's weird. Uh-huh. <laughs> Jillian. Jillian. What she was salty. You? She was very salty about witches holding um, ancient lineage so high. So Diana was getting a lot of attention and she wanted the attention. I, I was like, wow, it was actually written down that Jillian was kind of pissy. <laughs> and kind of an asshole and kind of a power grabber. And yeah. we kind of got that. But to see it in print like that was strange. Well, yeah. I mean, she was like the cheerleaders on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Let me well, look at this. I up. mean, that, that's kind of like how Sarah looked at the cheerleaders when she made the comment about cheerleaders narking. Yeah. So here we go. No, no characters. Jillian Chamberlain. Here it is. She is a witch driven to succeed at any price. She is a scholar of classical languages and ancient religion, but her ultimate ambition was to occupy a seat on the congregation. She studied the career of Peter Knox and admires rise to prominence despite his less than distinguished magical lineage. He was a role model as well as her rival, and she eagerly seized the opportunity to help him spy on Diana Bishop. Where's the part? Families like bishops and proctors were intensely annoying to Jillian. Though she was conservative and valued witch traditions, Jillian didn't like the way that witches aggrandized old bloodlines. In particular, she resented the attention that Diana Bishop received, especially since Diana had no discernible talent or ability. Jillian felt she could run rings around Diana and secretly gloated that Diana lacked magical power. To her, this was proof that the goddess knew best and rewarded witches who tried hard. So I was yeah. like, wow, Jillian, salty bitch. Well, seems a little short-sighted. Okay, here, here, I, <laughs> I have got a bigger question for y'all, and this is just kind of uh, rhetorical. Okay. How did, I mean, since we lived through the creating of all these books and did all the things we did and all the time in between, how do you feel about basically every single Easter egg as far as identities being mm-hmm. pretty much revealed in this chapter? I think it took, uh, I am in one part, I'm like, I'm glad we had the experience we did and 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 i'm also kind of sad that people won't necessarily have that same experience because basically just they've just been handed the answer key to the quiz more or less yes and no i mean i'm glad because you like i said we did all the things we've done and researched a lot and some of this is confirmation some of it's new information but new readers they don't have to read this book well and there'll be yeah, more I'm to d- come i'm sure yeah well I, I guess the other thing is too is like but then there's the new readers who are picking up this book going oh blah 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 blah. yeah i didn't know that i was like well and they're like oh i found an easter egg it's like no it's in the book. You read it. <laughs> reading it in the world of all souls doesn't make it an easter egg it's if you're re- reading through the discovery of witches and say hi i wonder why this name's important that's an easter egg right so. well <laughs> well, they got the teacher's edition. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's 
a damn pretty teacher's edition. Yes. This is yes. essentially the back of the trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Uh, um, when we did our guides, uh, we did them in uh, 2015. It feels like these, it's like our guides blew up. Yes. <laughs> in yeah. this book. That's what it oh, feels yeah. like. It's like, wow, this is what our guides would look like with if, the resource. <laughs> with, with the resources and <laughs> us quitting our day job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very grateful. Someone else has the job to do this. And it was, it's like a gift. Like you said, it's it a was huge... a wish come true. We had a valiant effort. I feel like, you know, we planted the seed and the goddess watered it and <laughs> gave us the world of all souls. Yes, that's right. Because we had, we had a guide for... think alike. Yes. Yeah. We, had a gu- we had a guide for each book and a lot of these categories we had in our Correlate. guides too. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, I am very happy. Well, and this way, you know, when you have a new well, person to the series... Well, of course, our guides could never have the outtakes, but we'll talk about that. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, our guides are based on what we knew. So, yeah. of course, when you have the author, she knows everything. About everything. <laughs> but now that you say that our guides were based on what we knew, that, that is an explanation of why everything can't be in this book either, because it's based on what she knows, which is what one yeah. of you said previously earlier. Yeah. yeah. We haven't. So and so has, you know, so many characters have not told us their stories yet. So what else stuck out? to you as far as characters or places uh did anyone surprise you anything besides the outtakes hancock. the outtakes were why hancock surprised the crap out of me because godfrey's his maker yes let's talk about that yeah. let's talk about that because what according to according to this book gavel glass and hancock are cousins yes. according to this book <laughs> so why did that we means, not that means davy's not a, a servant He's a member of the family. Yeah, yes. he is an actual member. Did he say he was a servant, though? I got to go back. Yeah, and he now. goes. Yeah, those, you know, those who serve the Declaremonts, they pl- paid that. He made the whole comment about them paying a pretty penny. And he certainly made it extremely clear that he was not a member of the family in all of his conversations in chapter five, six. Yeah. Well, and he's of Philippe's line, no less. Yes, exactly. Yes. So could you just be like, I don't want to be your son. I want to be your servant. Is that a possibility? <laughs> <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't think so. I'm, I'm just in it for the cash. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, yeah, that, that, that's a that's a head scratcher to me. I mean, it was it was that an error? Is there something more to it? I mean, uh, how yeah. can you have a Declaremont full blood son make you and not be a Declaremont? I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> we'll ask the questions, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that, just put that on the question list. <laughs> um I yeah that that's kind of screwy I think. Is it, I don't, so did you interpret it the same way that they were on opposing sides at Agincourt? Yes. Yes. Okay. And then yes. that's where the whole the same I thing, thing came in. That also came out with Galloglass that Galloglass was on an opposing the opposing side whenever Hugh made him. Ha. Huh. huh. <laughs> that confirms a suspicion of mine. And uh, also in part, another another puzzle. Mart, Mart remains a puzzle to me. It oh, remains yeah. a puzzle. Yeah, totally. because definitely because reading her section, it's like, uh, she's as old as God knows, God knows who. She's been with Isabeau the whole time, even when Isabeau was a human. So who turned Mart? Who does that? I just want to know. Who turns your origin servant? I don't know. I don't know. Well, and the way it's described that sometimes you just can't do without your favorite servant. So you have them turned. I'm like, that's kind of rude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and, and bringing up Mark also brings up another good, good puzzle for me. Yeah. I mean, and it's kind of cobbled together from a whole bunch of uh, some of the synopsis and some of the things that came up in, in the vampire family, you know, vampire history and things like that. It's like, just when did these vampire civil wars take place? I, I've always been kind of operating along the lines of this is going back more towards ancient Greece. And yes. Almost like yes. the Titans and the Trojan uh-huh. War and the Heroic Age and all that kind of stuff. But then there's some comments in there that also seem to imply that it's the Crusades. Crusades, exactly. It, it's confusing yeah. to me. Yeah. When they first were mentioned, I thought, okay, that that makes sense. It's, you know, toward, like you said, more towards the ancient age. Yeah. But then there were comments in there that you're like, okay, is they happen again like, during that, the Crusades? Is that a mistake? Or, right. And then you look at the calendar the in the character section, Isabel's important dates in April, and it brings up the uh, the Greeks entering Troy, which is the Trojan horse, mm-hmm. and the day that occurred, I think that was April 24. 
4th. And then April 16th as return to Ithaca. Again, Odysseus. Hmm. Uh. It makes me want to think that's part of uh, (laughs) Isabeau's rescue, which was also part of the Vampire Wars. I'm so confused. Oh, you know what? I'm just reading in the vampire section. It says um, Vampire Wars of the late classical and early medieval periods. So they do. It is a long span. Okay, that's that's quite a long span. Okay. So speaking of uh, the Vampire Wars and the Vampire Section and the Crusades, can we talk about that the Knights Templar was started by Philippe de Clermont? That was surprise. That was a shock. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so I was kind of like, huh? What? Really? Okay. Are you sure? You might want to uh, check that again. Yeah, because it seems to run counter to everything that we've been... Encounter to what Deb does. Yeah. Right? Because she wouldn't take something established... Well, like and that was the, the Knights whole point. Templar. I thought that was, the whole point of having the Knights of Lazarus was it was a a weird, obscure but real historic you know, a historical order. Yeah, but nobody knew much about him, which is why she made that the Vampires Order. And it's like now you're saying he created the Knights Templar. It just doesn't it doesn't ring true to what's gone on all along. I mean, certainly I could see Philippe encouraging the humans to form the Knights Templar. Right. Yeah. But I mean, for him to like turn around and create form this it. Huge, yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, and it also runs counter to the whole meddling in human affairs. Yes. I mean, you talk about wielding a big stick with the Pope and oh, yeah. the King of France. That just it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> well, it, it kind of struck me. And I we were talking off mic when yeah. I was talking to Angela and I said, is this like an, a Mandela effect thing? Did I miss that? Where was this? Because I do remember <laughs> yeah. seeing that Philippe started the Knights Templar. And I'm like, wait, what? Wait, no, I was like, nah. did I imagine that? No. And then Angela's like, no, 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 it, it's there. And she pointed me to it. So I found it. And yeah, that's kind of, I do like that they went into the Draculesti a little bit more. Yeah, that was very interesting. Yeah, that is yeah. interesting. So there is that. Anything else that stuck out to you guys? I mean, in that same section about the formation of the Templars, and maybe that was just a prototype mm-hmm. for the Knights of Lazarus. But yeah, there I get my little ledgers. And not, yeah. not even not much more information, but it, they do say purchasing most of the factories in Manchester. Um, that was one of the ledger entries. I wish that would have been expanded upon. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that was one thing I thought was pretty, I was pretty surprised was missing was that we didn't get more about the ledgers and the literature, even the literature section was really kind of scant. Yeah. Another thing I noted in characters, um, Eleanor, Eleanor, speaking of ledgers, St. Ledger. Yes. Um, Eleanor, it, it is said that Eleanor, he had not fallen in love like that until Diana. Uh-huh. So were they mated in the process of mating or do you know what I mean? It's like, ah, are they in love? So it, it brought up love and mating and the difference, because if it says he had not fallen in love like that until Diana. So were, were they the same? Were they on equal footing? What? <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> Help me. I think Diana had the extra layer of mating. I don't think that's irrevocable. I don't think he had that with Eleanor. I didn't get the sense that he did. He might have been deeply in love with her. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's but also I don't a get totally sense. different. Uh, to me, well, it, it, in the bigger scheme of analysis and everything else, I think it's we're also talking about two different Matthews because I think the Matthew that. True. The Matthew that Diana fell with. I think it, the, and the dividing line for him is Philippe's death. Yeah. Okay. Right. I really okay. think that the Matthew prior to Philippe's death was a different huge, guy. Hugely, hugely, hugely different than the Matthew that Hamish and Diana know. Okay. Okay. So that. All right. <laughs> which, which, yeah. So, yeah. So Mart made both Alain and Victoire. See, now I, I always look into the servants class because that fascinates me. Okay. Who made me. Francois? I don't know. It doesn't say. Alain? <laughs> um, let me go back. Let me look. Francois. Yeah, because that was also confusing too. It's like I think the implication now is that Francois and uh, God, what, Pierre are both alive. So Lana and Victoire are married, mm-hmm. but Mart's their mother. Wait, <laughs> I guess and they, they, they're married to each other. How did that yeah. happen? Uh, I think it was mentioned in the Book of Life. Lana and Victoire are married. I know, but I'm just saying. But they both have the same vampire maker. That's odd. Yeah, yeah. that's that's a thing. I, I'm just wondering, maybe. It's just the declaremonts that hold themselves to uh, no meeting with... Hanky-panky. Family. 
I'm thinking it might be because how I'm thinking of like Isabeau's when she was made, she was made with the intent to make her a mate. Right. Right. So maybe it's just something Philippe holds them to. And it's not for other vampires. At least in the world of all souls, it doesn't say who Francoise's maker is. No. She oh, do you know what sentence. else I found was interesting, especially since they were still undergoing the writing process, is that Emily Mather's uh, personal history is different than what Deb was talking about for this show. Hmm. Did Deb specify that this personal history is just for the show? No, she never did. Okay. So I guess we, we have to put it that way. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> this is show Emily. <laughs> and this is book Emily. <laughs> we were talking about book and show Matthew. Now <laughs> we got book and right. show Emily. Yeah. Yeah. She says descended from New England immigrant stock on her father's side. Hmm. You know, if you're saying she's a descendant of cotton, which would make sense it's on her father's side is Cotton Mather. It's like it's very wiggly language. <laughs> I like your lawyer speak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so as this book clears up a lot of things, it's brought up a lot of questions. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I was gonna say Which is a good thing though. I mean that's yeah. good. Yeah. Well Deb, 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 as Deb said, that was part of her, her goal. Though yeah. I don't know well, if some of some of the things that she that people seem to want to focus on aren't aren't the things that she's wants them to. I mean there there's I mean there's a couple just flat out errors like the Annie's age when they uh, Father Hubbard founder was just a glaring error. And then there's the whole business about Viren and Baldwin and the... Oh, the claiming of Diana? Yeah. the yeah. the Acknowledging Acknowledgement the of Diana to the yeah. congregation, which was <sighs> screwed up. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're little screwy, little niggly mistakes here and there. And they, yeah. she said they would get fixed in a next edition. <laughs> but I mm, but A B negative, A B positive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we know how that went. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like, wait, it says A B negative in this chapter, and this chapter says maybe they just caught it in that one chapter. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Which I think is what was the big problem was with the uh, um, the Viren Baldwin thing is I think somebody just looked at the beginning and saw that Viren was charged with the task. Yeah. And just assumed Viren was the one who followed through and didn't realize that at the end of chapter 32 that yeah. there's that whole speech in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm very happy to have That's a huge task. Book. I mean. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. To have um, as so, few, few nits to pick as we do. Yeah. Well, most the average reader is not going to be able to pick at these nits because we've been picking at these books for years. years. <laughs> yeah. I just got older. <laughs> you <Yeah>. saying that. <laughs> uh, so anything else, guys? Anything else stuck out to you about the world of all souls? I love the literature section. I love the decorative art section. Mm -hmm. The art is beautiful. I love yeah. that my wish came true and we got a guide to the Declaremont chairs. <laughs> yeah. I know I was only half joking about having a, a chair catalog for the Declaremont house for four years yeah. all over social media and my wish came true. Next, we got to work on the garage. I know. <laughs> My garage. Well, we've got we've got to start. Yes, we yes, do. We do. We do. And, and Angela, one of your your explorations even got mentioned. The spider phaeton. You were so nice to let allow me to virtually tour with you at the. Uh, yeah. Was Gee, it at nice. the, the Frick was, House in Pittsburgh? It was a Frick House in Pittsburgh. It, listeners don't know, but every time I go to a museum, I have Jean as my virtual backpack, yeah. <laughs> tweeting your or sending you pictures, asking you questions. What do you think of this? Look at this. Hey, you're going to think this is cool. Yeah. Isn't this awesome? And the spider phaetons were part of our conversation that day. Yes. Yes. Cool, Angela. And you'd be able to contribute to another book because I don't think our listeners know that Gail Glass's condo is actually taken by Angela. Yes, it so is. Angela's <laughs> exploration of New Haven. Yes. The picture you see in the book is the picture that Angela took. It and is. we had to give permissions and do all the legal things. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That is so cool. That is really cool. So you can look through the book and say, Angela took that picture. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think was really cool of them to do because because they could have just gotten a picture from uh -huh. wherever. Um, yeah. and, and they, they could have just hired a local photographer to say, go take a picture of the outside of this house if yeah. they wanted to. Right. Yeah. Done exactly. it fairly kind of. cheaply. Yeah. Well, this was free. Well, that's true. <laughs> but we could have said no. Yeah, We right. could have said no. There's that. No. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. Huh? So... 
Yeah, I I don't have anything else to add. Just, Uh you know, sorry, we were spoilery, (laughs) but we are going to warn you before we start this podcast. I will put it, future Valerie will put like a disclaimer. Hey, warnings, this might be spoilery, but uh, I hope you enjoyed our little tour of this book. And hopefully you'll be able to pick up this book and find things of your own. And I also want to say... Just know that I mean every single word of the review I've posted on our website, website and Amazon and Goodreads. This is, you will love this. It's fun. It's a great exploration and it's really an addition. You'd be, you need this addition to your household's library at some point in time. Her review, which we posted earlier, and you can find that at visit.demonsdomain.com slant T-W-O-A-S review posted earlier will be posted in the show notes of this episode. And our show notes are just going to be our reviews, guys. We're not going to go over every little thing we talked about because you're going to have the book in front of you and you're going to look at it and make your own assessments and Mm -hmm. make sure you let us know. Write down things you've noticed, Mm -hmm. you know, stuff you love, stuff you missed, stuff you wish was here, wishes came true, wishes that came true. Right. Wishes that didn't come true. Yeah. And damn it, this wasn't included. Or yay, this was a goddess story. (laughs) (laughs) We're still holding out for an All Souls World supplement. Gotta be be (laughs) bitter and salty about that one forever. (laughs) Appendix G for goddess. (laughs) Deb, if you don't give us that story soon, we're going to write our own and you may not be happy with how it turns out. (laughs) So, yeah, that was that was that, I think, guys. And since we didn't do normal segments, I just want to thank our patrons. And we're not going to mention individual patrons because this is a bonus episode. All of our patrons. Thank you. Thank you for. Absolutely giving and sharing with us your extra money here and there so we can thrive like we're doing. And and if you're interested in being a patron, go to patreon.com slant demons discuss and you can pick a tier, any tier. And I don't think we're going to do housekeeping or save it for the show for this. So we can yes. go to last thoughts and things we can't let go of after this. Find this show wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Contact us. We are at demonsdiscuss at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail, 360-519-7836. Or leave us one on SpeakPipe, speakpipe.com slant demonsdiscuss. Hit us up on social media, and we are at demonsdiscuss or at demonsdomain. Join our Facebook group, Demonic Discussers. The keys to get in are in the show notes. And if you're listening on your mobile device, click the description. It'll be there too. Become a discusser. And there are two ways to do that now. And if you're in the U.S., text ADOW as an ADAL, as in a discovery of witches. So text ADOW to 444-999 or visit demonsdiscuss.com. Scroll down, fill out the form and spam our code and that's it, you're a discusser. Visit our main site, demonsdomain.com to see what we're up to. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Keep Angela alive! For our bonus episode, here's my last thought. I volunteer as tribute for volume two. I will happily contribute, be a beta reader, anything to make it happen once once the time comes and we need to supplement this great, great book. You heard that, people, right? It's out in the universe. Deb, <laughs> <laughs> we'll put that out to the universe and maybe the goddess will hear and tap Deb on the on the shoulder and say, hey. Gene wants to help you. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) The goddess has a sense of humor. (laughs) Uh, Angela, do you have any last thoughts? I do. Um, One of my favorite things was learning Marcus's full name in the world of all souls. But that and this book is all fine and well. I love it. Um, It's supplements. Which one of his names is your favorite, Angela? Of course, Raphael. Oh, see, I you like, like the, Chauncey. I love you like Chauncey. Chauncey. It's like I like Raphael because we've long guessed he was Raphael or Al Raphael. Um, I just love Chauncey. It's such a fun name. I like the whole archangel type of thing. But yeah, Chauncey is very fun, very fun. Um, but that just makes me more hungry for Times Convert. I and know. Deb read the first chapter of it 
uh, on her tour at each stop. And I just, I can't wait because this is good and this fills in a lot of blanks, but I feel like Times Convert is going to be all new information. Freya's awesome, by the way. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. I'm in love with her. I'm going to put a link to the show notes. So just in case people didn't see in our last episode, they're going to see in this episode, uh, they'll get to watch that talk. And uh, I take for granted that everybody's watched that talk, but not everybody's watched that talk. So I'll make sure a link gets in the show notes for that. My last thought is, yes, I can't wait for Times Convert. It's come on. That first opening chapter was wonderful. Wonderful. I was like, my heart was beating so fast. I was typing you guys. I was like messaging you guys. Pay attention. Oh my God. Viking, if you're listening, I will do inadvisable themes, things in order to get my hands on an arc. <laughs> have all of our legal help law lined up yeah (laughs) call Saul yes now (laughs) we don't care if it's not been edited just send it (laughs) we'll help edit we'll edit for free (laughs) I don't know if that's a good idea (laughs) I'm good I'm really I am I'm like I think she should say this I can help you with that cougar scene in the flashback (gasps) Cougar scene. Yes, that was the best part of Marcus's character analysis. Uh, <laughs> He's indiscriminate, shall we say? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, that's my last thought. I can't wait for that book. I mean, this book was fun to have, yeah. but I wasn't really anticipating this as much as the next one. The next oh, one kind of right. takes so us further down the road. So, also, this was a rather tame episode for us. It was. Every, everybody feeling good? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not yeah, not really ditchy. No, well, it wasn't a ditchy sort of episode, so or no. uh, topic. <laughs> no, so Marcus's proclivities was the only opportunity to get into the ditch. But you didn't say anything untrue, <laughs> which we can explore. Which we can explore more at a later date. Yes, true. I suggest that after Times Convert, we do, we revisit Ma- uh, not Matthew Marcus's personality. Yes. Oh, that would be fun. Oh, and then we can do Freya's too. We can do the new characters that we don't know. Did we do Miriam? I don't think so. so. I don't remember us doing Miriam. We can do Miriam. We can do Phoebe. A revisit on the personality episode. Wow. It'd be fun to compare the two of them. Us doing one now versus us doing one (laughs) Well, how funny that we we chose Marcus. Yeah. (laughs) Anything else to add, guys? Nope. Nothing I can That's think of right now. It. Nope. So, yeah, let me just mention allsoulscon, org slant tickets. Get your ticket if there's any left. I don't know how many tickets are left, but, you know, check. It's, we're we're cu- cutting it close, people. We're cutting it close. The last time I talked to Laura, she said they had 30 tickets left. Total. 30. Wow. And we are how many months out? Three? Three. As of this recording, three months out. So those will be gone. So get yours. And if not, live stream. Five dollars. Five dollars. Easy. Five dollars. Easy peasy. Five dollars. Easy peasy. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's it for us before we get all punch drunk. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Demon kiss. We'll talk to you next time, guys. Mm